again with the Making Disciples Everyday Podcast. Really excited about this episode. Uh, we got Jason Dukes on assignment uh, during the Discipleship.org National Disciple Makers Forum, uh, giving interviews with five key leaders and disciple makers throughout our country. Just some really great content, really encouraging stories, and some uh, wonderful vision for us as disciple makers and how to reach our own communities. Uh, again, the, that's the discipleship.org, Disciple Makers National Forum. Um, number of ebooks, resources, and there's plenty of content online there. I'll link to it in the show notes uh, for you to get equipped and learn uh, from these great thinkers and uh, just splendid disciple makers that I've been encouraged by and learned so much from. So I encourage you to go click on click on those show notes. He interviews five different, well, five separate interviews of about eight to 12 minutes in length each. So I'm going to jump in before each one and introduce the person that he's talking to. And then you'll hear Jason and that individual carry out their conversation. First up is Drew Hyun, uh, which is a church planner and he's a pastor in New York City. He's been living there for the last 16 years, uh, pastoring in New York, co-founder of the New York City Network, which is a network of urban churches and just has really, really sound insight on how to make disciples in the everyday through personal relationship. And Drew currently lives in New York with his wife, Christina, and their two children, David and Avery. All right, well, I'm here with Drew Hyun. Did I say it right? Uh, it's Hyun. Hyun, my bad, my bad, my That's bad. That's okay. All right. That's okay. So now I'll say it correctly. So Drew Hyun. Yep. And, uh, and church starter and pastor yep. in New York City. Yep. And uh, here at the Discipleship.org conference, you're with the group. Tell, the, tell our listeners the group that you're with here. Yeah, I'm with Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Uh, my mentor and person who discipled me deeply invested in my life, Pete Scazzaro. I'm here with him, and uh, it's been a joy to be with him here and um, to also experience and to hear from other disciple-making ministries from around the, the country and the world. It's yeah. been really, really neat to be around. Very cool. And, he, man, he's a, he's a joy. I've, one of his books we've given out to some of our staff here and mm. emotionally healthy leader yes. I think is the one mm-hmm. it was and yeah. really appreciated it yeah so the question we're asking yeah. several of you here at the forum is Jesus started this movement it's mm-hmm. done pretty well right mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> we, we know it's more than just a movement but it's a movement that he's invited us into to be disciple makers with him mm-hmm. and we want to see disciples making disciples right well so if someone's out there and they're thinking, well, I'm not engaged in that, but I want to re-engage, I want to get into it, what are some suggestions you might make? Well, I think part of it is it is in a weird way, because the primary call that Jesus has for every single one of us is to be making disciples. But somehow that call has been hijacked yeah. by a different kind of uh, call to put on great events, to do great programs, to... Uh, do a lot of surface activities, for instance, and have church attendance and big buildings and more people in the seats. So the measurements of success then become very peripheral things that at the end of the day are not about disciple making. That's right. And so in the world that I've come from, and for the past seven years I've been in the church planning world, um, I know that many of the methods and the strategies related to church planting, what's fascinating about it is that oftentimes the conversation around disciple making is not necessarily the core thing that we're called to. It's about what is the strategy to grow one's church. And usually that involves things like having a great band and 
having a great attractional environment and finding a great facility and while all these strategies are helpful and I'm all kind of in on and part of at the end of, of the day that the essence of what we're called to do is be disciple makers yeah. and this makes that this means an intentional um, investment relationally into people mm-hmm. that a disproportionate disproportionate time and energy of mine personally is made into forming disciples yeah. in a relational manner and so I think in many ways that paradigm shift if I can begin if my money time and energy is spent in a way that really does treat my primary call as disciple making mm-hmm. I think that's one significant shift for sure yeah um, and I think the second shift that needs to happen is you know Jesus taught you know the two great commandments um, and of course there's the great commission which is to go and make disciples baptizing them teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and the two great commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul strength and mind and to love others as you would love yourself and I think to lean into what that means to love God with all your soul strength heart and mind um, and this is where emotionally healthy discipleship has been so formative for me hmm because oftentimes I get so caught up in American cultural Christianity and not in an kind of an obedient, loving relationship with a father who loves me yeah. as a good son, uh, as a son who's called good by a good dad. Mm. And I think cultivating a loving relationship with the father. And I think what's fascinating for me as a pastor is I often get co-opted by doing things for God that doesn't necessarily lead me to a more loving relationship with God. Mm. And I think emotionally healthy discipleship invites us into a deeper journey with Jesus that allows us to have rhythms of life that keep us rooted in the love of the Father. And then I think in in terms of loving others, as I would love myself, um, I think many people are told, love others, love others, love others, love others. But very few of us are taught, how do we love others? And we've been more shaped by our family of origin or the culture around us. We think something is loving when really that's more a pathology that I've kind of been framed from the culture that we live in or something that comes from my Western set of eyes or my Eastern set of eyes instead of being shaped by the story and the teachings of Jesus. Mm. And I think the practical outworkings of being a loving human being, and this is, again, another reason why emotionally healthy discipleship has been so meaningful to me, because it's given tools by which I can become a more loving human being yeah. with others. So so that's what I would say. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I think the security that that truth gives us, mm. right, it frees us up. Yeah. And it allows us even to be more self-aware, mm-hmm. more understanding, even maybe more gracious with ourselves. Yeah. So I love that. A friend of mine in Philadelphia, I don't know if you know him, this guy or not, his name's Lawrence Tom. Yeah, I know Lawrence. So wow. LT. Yeah. So really like LT. We haven't talked in a few, well, I'd say we talked eight months ago, I think it's the last time we talked, but so I'd love to have more time with him. We're just in two totally different worlds, but... But all that to say, I'll never forget, I was up there speaking uh, with his group uh, there in, in downtown Philly, and we were out just walking around Philly before the event, wow. he and I together. And I said to him, man, tell me something that's just really shaping you right now. And he said this, he said, I'm, I'm realizing that even on my worst day, 
I'm Lawrence Tom in Christ. Wow. Mm. And that that's a lot of what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I, th- I think that was so formative to me yeah. when I heard him say that because uh, if I can lead from that, yeah. if I can love from that, if I can love my wife from that, if I can love myself from that. And so, man, I affirm that and I appreciate you yeah. taking a minute to share that with us. No, absolutely. And, of course, it's a stop-start journey, but it's yeah. been a good one. It's good. Thanks, man. Thanks. Hope you enjoyed that from Drew. And up next, we got Jim Putman. He's the co-founder and senior pastor of Real Life Ministries in Post Falls, Idaho. Uh, he's also served as a youth pastor in two smaller churches, uh, was a wrestler in college, won three All-American titles, and uh, has been a wrestling coach. Uh, he speaks at a lot of conferences, internet, radio, weekend services. He's also three books, uh, Church is a Team Sport, Real Life Discipleship and the Power of Together. And then he co-authored two books, Real Life Discipleship Training Manual and then Disciple Shift. And Disciple Shift is one of the most crucial books in my development and maturity uh, as a disciple maker myself. Um, Really, really uh, encouraged and equipped uh, by Jim Putman. He's recently co-authored a book called Hope for the Prodigal with his dad, Bill Putman. His, his passion is discipleship through small groups. Uh, his background in sports and coaching. He believes in the value of strong coaching as a means to disciple others. He and his wife, Lori, live in, in Idaho. Three boys and four grandkids. Hope you're encouraged by Jim. So, hey, I'm here with Jim Putman, and Jim is from the Northwest up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, if I'm getting that right. I think. Coeur d'Alene, yeah. Coeur d'Alene. So, yeah. sorry, sorry. So, I've got a, I've got a friend that's up there, Pace Hartfield. Oh, He's yeah. a pastor, church mm-hmm. starter up there, and yep. uh, we're not super close, but we've known each other since college, so enough friendship that yeah. we can we support, support yeah. each other, be fans of each other. So, all that to say, um, excited about what you guys do. Known, I've known about it for a long time. But real quickly, tell our listeners the name of not only the church family that you get to lead, and, and but the network that you get to encourage toward disciple-making and thinking like disciple-makers. Yeah, the church is called Real Life Ministries, and uh, we have three locations in northern Idaho, and then we've planted another bunch of churches. And then the network that we ha- uh, developed is called the Relational Discipleship Network. And so that's uh, pastors who have been through a training called Disciple Shift. And then as they try to shift their churches towards disciple-making systems, uh, cultures, uh, those who have gone ahead and, and made that shift start coaching those who are starting to make that shift. So, yeah. so it's like a small group system of pastors that spread all over the United States and around the world. So pastors leading small groups of pastors as they shift their church towards discipleship. Very cool. And just to encourage you, I'm, I don't think I've ever told you this. Uh, the uh, One of the guys I'm encouraging, a group that I'm encouraging in South Carolina, Mary in South Carolina, I was with them. He and his wife now run a bed and breakfast, but he disciples a local group of men, some of them unbelievers, some of them believers, and then he pours into pastors. And I thought you'd get a kick out of this. I was uh, there with him about uh, a little bit ago, and he showed me the back house, which used to be back in the day the servant quarters, mm. but it's where he meets with men. Mm. And it's got an old fire-burning stove, mm. and it's, it's just cool. And I walk in, and there's your guidebook for, uh, for you know, disciple-making on his table. 
And he, I asked him, I said, are you doing that with the guys? And he said, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite resources. So I just wanted to encourage oh, you with great. that. Praise the Lord. That all the way there in South Carolina, all the way across the country, yeah. you've got that going on. So, so I'll ask you the same question I've been asking uh, some of the other leaders that are here at the forum. And that is, say somebody has been engaged, wants to re-engage, or maybe they've never been engaged in this disciple-making movement that Jesus started We've been invited along into it. We get to be disciple makers with him. What suggestions might you give someone just to get them thinking along those lines and re-engaging in the the disciple making effort with Jesus? Well, I I don't think most people think they are called on to be disciples that make disciples. I'm not sure most people think they're disciples. I think they would distinguish between Christians and disciples. And, of course, that's just not biblical. The early sure. church called themselves the disciples they met here, they met there. We're all disciples, mm-hmm. and, the, and the end goal of a disciple is to learn to make disciples. So I would say, first, you have to, to kind of get in contact and connect with the original definitions, the, the original calling. The, the, the Great Commission is for all of us who are believers. Yeah. And so, uh, and the church's purpose is to be and make disciples. And so you have to kind of decide that's what Jesus meant, that's what Jesus said, embrace that. Then secondly, um, you have to understand that you can't do that unless you're abiding in Christ and you're spending time, you know, thinking about uh, his call in your life, uh, becoming in tune with what the Holy Spirit's saying, and so that you understand that he has good work for you to do. I mean, Ephesians 2, you're saved by grace through faith. You're created anew in Christ Jesus for good works, which God planned for you to do before time began. So I am a disciple maker. God's actually working all the time. And to open my eyes spiritually, connect with that purpose in the morning, remember who I am, thinking in terms of there's two categories of people saved and unsaved. Hmm. The unsaved, he wants me to, to, to commit to being in relationship with them in attempting that so that I can share the gospel with them and then carry that through all the way through spiritual maturity. If they're a believer, then that means I'm going to encourage them to get on that track. If they're not, I'm going to encourage them if they're on that track and they're struggling. So you've got the believers you want to encourage and and direct as best you can for them in the process. Unbelievers, you want to start them in that process. But that's, that role is for each of us. If you're a parent, you're a disciple maker. The church's role is to support you. You're not to be the one who supports them. Yeah. You know, you, you, they're going to come alongside and help and support, but your, that's your role at home. If you're yeah. at work, that's that sphere of your life. You're on a mission with God there. It's yeah. not to climb the corporate ladder. It's to make sure that, that you're focused on the things of Jesus there and you're looking for opportunities. God's working everywhere. Who's God drawing? I love uh, Henry Blackaby's uh, experience in God. Sure. It's just been transformational in my life. Look yeah. to see where God is working. Yeah. No one comes to the Father unless they're drawn. Look to see where he's working and join him. Join him there. Yep. And so if you see yourself as your role is to allow the Holy Spirit to use you to participate in people's journey, you're, you're abiding in that, you understand that, and then you, it, it, ultimately it says, I'm going to have courage to actually step out and do it. It's one thing to think that. It's another thing. Everybody has to cross this barrier of, will I actually participate? Yeah. Will I do it? It's going to take courage. But, but listen, it's going to take a courage for a non-believer to cross the line and become a Christian because their family, where they came from, what they believe in the past, it's going to require change. Yeah. Don't expect them to change if you're not going to be willing to, to step across the line and be courageous as well. That's good. Step into that.
It's really good. So just real quickly, maybe one, one last thought. When you guys up there and anywhere, but specifically in your community, when you know it's happening, right? Like, what do you see? Like, when, when you know this thing you guys cultivate and emphasize, you cultivate for it, you equip for it, you emphasize it so well. How do you know when it's happening? Just just so our listeners can be encouraged, maybe they can yeah. look around and see something. Well, I, I think if you take the time to look around and see people's struggle as your opportunity, hmm. not to talk first, but to serve first. Yeah. As you make the most of, of their hurting, you know, Jesus would see the people struggling and he would minister to their needs, which then opened the door to what came next, right? Yeah. So take the time to go, I'm here to serve this community. I'm here to serve those around me. Where there's a need, I get to step in and serve, which mm. opens the door to a possible opportunity, or at least the beginning of a relationship. No doubt. And so I would just say in your community, the church's role is to shepherd the community, not say, hey, come to us. Here we are. We built a building. Yeah. You come to us. It's yeah. no, we're going to launch corporately and individually into, into the need to be a part of the solution. And as that happens, and there's always needs. I mean, just look around. Mm -hmm. You got your head in the sand if you don't see needs. Sure. You see in that need is also God's invitation for you to step in the way he would have you step in so that you can ha take, make the most of that opportunity. You know, scripture says, live wisely amongst unbelievers and make the most of every opportunity. Yeah. Uh, James talks about wisdom from above is, first of all, peaceable, right? Mm -hmm. We're peacemakers. We don't run from the flame. Yeah. We see the flame, the battle, the, and we go in with the heart of Christ for peacemakers, That's not good. peacekeepers. Mm -hmm. When we do that, that gives us an opportunity to speak into it. Maybe not right away. Yeah. But then when you start to see people being drawn, they start asking questions. They start going, what are you doing? Funny you should ask. Hmm. Let me share with you my heart. It's good. And they listen a lot more when you're there to minister to their needs and you're serving the community rather than judging them. Yeah, it's really good. Well, man, thank you for what you do and for your presence here. We're thankful to host you guys and we're excited and hopeful that not only for those that are present, but even as we continue to cultivate for it here among our family of churches that we'll see similar things. Thank you for your time. No, you bet. Bless you. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Now we have John Plake, who is the Senior Manager of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society. Uh, he's a researcher with a pastor's heart, bridges the worlds of social science, business intelligence, and spiritual formation, helping Christian leaders understand how people grow in Christ. Uh, John leads this team with the uh, American Bible Society, helping the organization reintroduce the Bible to America. And he's also the lead researcher for the University Spiritual Life Survey, which measures the impact of Christian higher education on the spiritual vitality of emerging adults. Over 29 years of full-time ministry, John has served as a pastor, missionary, professor, and researcher. Uh, John is an ordained minister with a PhD in intercultural studies and missiology. And uh, I heard him speak to a small group at the Brentwood campus and was just really encouraged by his conviction that the number one indicator and primary way that people are moved by the Spirit is through the Word. Uh, if we get people in their Bibles, we're going to see maturity and discipling relationships built together. I hope you're encouraged and convicted by John. Hey, I'm here with John Plake at the Disciple Making Forum, and John is with American Bible Society. 
John, tell the guy, I, I know what you do because I love what you do. <laughs> I, I want to hear you say the title, although I think I'm going to give a shot at it and you then correct me, right? Is the Research and Analysis Director of Ministry Intelligence. But maybe I've added something to it, but is that close? Yeah, just Director of Ministry Intelligence. There you go, there you yeah. go. There so you I, go. I tell people I'm a professional explainer. I stand between the world of data and the world of ministry and try and explain each side to the other so that we can make progress telling people about God's Word. I love it. I love it. Now, Scott Harris is who introduced us. He's on team here, and 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 he can he actually, I think, gives y'all's vision spiel better than some of your own employees, doesn't he? Which is common for Scott. That's Scott. So, so, but I, I will say, uh, in, I, I don't want to highlight all three, although if you want to know all three, you, all, the, all our listeners know they can email us. We'll always respond to their questions. But one, one of your pillars is about transforming America through scripture engagement. And this idea of biblical engagement, and that's what a lot of your work, at least, right? I mean, you do it for all three of the pillars, but you've done some great research on that particular one of the three focuses that you have. Just give a quick overview, if you will, just for our listeners, because I want them to know that you, what American Bible Society is up to right now, because I think it'll surprise some people. Well, you're right. Scripture engagement in the United States is the main focus of my research and ministry work. And uh, we know that scripture engagement is just consistent interaction with the Bible that shapes people's choices and really transforms their relationships with God, with themselves, and with other people. And so we figured out how to measure that in America. We know there are right now about 61 million North American adults, uh, U.S. adults, who are actively engaged in Scripture. So they would score on our scale, Scripture-engaged or Scripture-centered. And so the Bible's making a huge impact for them. But what's really scary is there are actually about 62 million Americans who are just Bible-friendly. They're just like right below the threshold. Many of them are in church. Many of them are young millennials. They just don't know quite what to do with the Bible, and they're waiting for people like us to help them take the next step into that really transformative relationship with God through Scripture. Well, that's a great segue for the question, right? Because the people like us, and, you know, especially at a forum like this, it's all about disciples making disciples and the effort to see that look like what Jesus did instead of maybe all the variations that we've turned it into that that oftentimes make disciples of a religion or a church or an institution rather than of Jesus. So if someone really wants to engage in his movement, even just whether it's based on your research or a hunch, I'll give you that out, right? Like you can do either one. But even just what would you suggest to help someone, hey, I want to get engaged in that disciple-making movement with Jesus. What would you suggest to them? So I think it's going to surprise some people, but I'm going to tell you what the data says. Good. Okay. So the data says there are two key things. Love God, love people. Wow. That's shocking. You might have heard that somewhere before, right? <laughs> that's right. That's so, right. so I think the way in particular, concrete steps we can take in our loving of God is to begin by loving his word. Yeah. We hear the voice of God through his word. Yeah. And for some people, that's difficult. I don't care whether you go on to, you know, uh, version's Holy Bible app and start reading through Bible reading plans, or you do a discovery Bible study, or you go to howto.bible yeah. and get some friends together and just start doing a, uh, a, a Bible study where you're working through through the text yourself, but begin to go to God's word and say, God, what do you have to tell me today through your word and by your spirit? And I think that's part of it is feeding ourselves. But the second part is really important. I think in America, we've made um, Christianity really a, a, a consumer sport. 
Mm. Right? It's like I want I want a better coat, you know, I want a better relationship with God. Yeah. And it's not like that at all. It's very much a sport. Yeah. It's very much something where we need to actively engage and help others. Yeah. And so that's the love people part, mm. right? So you're not going to grow very much in your relationship with God through scripture if you aren't also helping someone else grow. Yeah. Find someone that you can love on, that you can care about, that you can share scripture with, that you can just be the hands and feet of Christ to them and begin to help them walk with God as well. Very cool. Thank you for your time, John, and for what you do. And, and just for our listeners, if you can ask Scott Harris or me if you want to know more about what the American Bible Society is doing, but is there a place you would point people, your website or any other, an article or research that you've done that you would say, hey, look here too, you'll get a good feel for what we're up to? I think some of our most popular research is actually at stateofthebible.org. So it's published every year, the annual State of the Bible study. We're going to do that study again in cooperation with the Barna Group in January. It'll be published again in April. Go there, check it out. I think there's a lot of interesting information. Very good. Thanks for your time, John. Thank you very much. Last up, we got Brandon Bowers and Forrest Coleman. Uh, They work with Awaken Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Brandon Bowers is the founding and lead pastor of Awaken Church, which was planted in 2013 and is now a multi-site church with 1,500 plus in attendance, over 500 people baptized, and 65% of their adults connected into small groups that meet throughout the region for discipleship. Uh, They partner with 30-some-odd nonprofits for uh, monthly Love My City mission initiatives and projects to multiply the kingdom and impact in their city. A brain is passionate about seeing people far from God awaken to life in Christ and then joining on the mission of following Jesus and making disciples. He's the leader. Um, he serves as the leadership catalyst with the South Carolina Baptist Convention and also as a mentor coaching church with, um, within the Relational Discipleship Network. He's been married to his wife, Ashley, for 16 years. They have two sons, Braley and Bryson, and two daughters, Brinkley and Brooklyn. Uh, Forrest Coleman began ministry in Kentucky, and he joined up with the Awakened Church as their group's minister and is now one of their campus pastors at one of their broadcast locations. So, hey, I'm with here Brandon and Forrest, and I'm going to let them tell you a little bit about who they are, but they are connected with Awakened Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, I'm excited. Brandon gets to close out the forum today, if I understand correctly, and challenge us uh, about disciple making and, and and in some of the experiences that he's equipped for and led in, and so I'm gonna let these guys though. I'll I'm gonna let them tell you a little bit more about who they are, and then we'll dive into the question that we've been asking folks. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So I'm Brandon, and I planted Awaken Church in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, going up on seven years ago, and I uh, was uh, saved in college, and then spent a good portion of my ministry um, in some large Southern Baptist churches. And before before launching out to plant a church with a team of people and, and really being challenged on what disciple making looked like mm. and uh, actually how to reach people who were lost or, or unchurched mm. uh, and bring them into an understanding of what it looks like to follow Jesus and live for him. So I'm uh, really look, looking forward to, to closing out the session today and then also just this dialogue of how to get people uh, reignited to, to making disciples. It's good stuff. And Forrest, what about you, man? Yeah, I'm Forrest Coleman, and uh, I got to join the team at Awaken about three years ago. I grew up uh, in Kentucky. I was a pastor there in a traditional setting cool. on, on staff uh, for, for most of my life uh, as far as being in Kentucky. And then came to Charleston and uh, been 
honor to get to serve at Awaken. I joined the team about halfway through the, the church, seven years old, hmm. and uh, joined in and served with our groups, the ministry, and then now uh, a campus pastor. I'm a campus development pastor where I'm the campus pastor of our broadcast location. Awesome. And then I've been able to be a part of the launch of our second and then coming soon, our third location cool. uh, in downtown Charleston. So it's uh, been a very exciting last three years. That's so cool. So cool. And I love it that you guys are traveling together, that you're hanging together. When I was when I was a pastor in Orlando, it was I, I think our travel moments together as a team it's the best were some of the most formative. Yeah. So it's so special. Thankful you it's guys good. are doing that. So you know the question, but and our listeners do too, because by the time we get to yours, they're probably going to have heard it now three sure. times. Sure. But, but the but um I, I I'll say it again just for the sake of uh, clarity. We we want to be engaged in the movement Jesus started. I'm not trying to start our own movement, and and uh, Jesus is a disciple maker and invites us to be disciple makers with Him, not just for Him. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so, what are some suggestions you give or you would give to help somebody that's thinking, okay, I used to think that was what I needed to do, and I I got caught up in all this other elements of self-development in Christianity sure. and forgot what the real purpose was, or I've never been involved in that, but I know it's what I should be doing. What suggestions do you give? And that's to both of them. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is the question. I think I, for me personally, um, I, you know, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, large Southern Baptist church, um, a great church, First Baptist Spartanburg, South Carolina, yep. phenomenal pastor. Um, thousands of people and I was a college and young adults pastor there wow. uh, for about four years and realized really when I stepped out to plant Awakened Church uh, I knew that that if in planting I did what I knew to do mm-hmm. um, that the the rate of success uh, was um, what what I determined success to be as a church mm-hmm. um, probably was not gonna be very beneficial to something long-lasting reason being um, I, I got exposed to some training and really challenged on what being a disciple looked like yeah. for me personally. Yeah. Um, and realizing that while while I was I was really good at leading programs, I was really good at speaking, I was really good at managing budgets, but I really didn't have a, a line of people behind me wow. that um, I would say looked a lot like Jesus. Mm. And and personally, just came to the realization that outside of the first real year of being a Christian, I got saved in college. Mm. And um, had a guy named Eric, Eric Wooten, that discipled me like crazy. He took me under his wing for about a year. Um, outside of that relationship, I'd gone in ministry quite a long time without really being discipled yeah. as a man of God. Yeah. And so as a leader now, planting a church, um, just kind of realized, like, I don't really know what disciple making looks like. Mm. And so you know, your question about reengaging yeah. is going, what, are we, what am I reengaging with? Yeah. Uh, and so there's two pieces there. It's obviously like, you know, looking at what Jesus did with his disciples, but then practically speaking, in my own life, like what, how did I learn God's word? Mm. Like, how did I learn accountability? Like, what did that community look like early on when I was a new believer? Yeah. And then realizing I, we've got to figure out a way to cultivate those circles in that context for people as they come to meet Jesus. Because right. if it's going to be more than just conversion, mm-hmm. I've got to create some sense of community where, where people get into relationship, have accountability, have prayer, have strength, care. Um, and so, yeah, that was... I think the reengagement piece is the only f- that you find the formula for that by looking back at scripture That's good. and then looking around at, at some churches and going, man, who's, who's producing the kind of disciples I want to produce? Mm. Cause it's not rocket science That's good. and it's been modeled. So I think the first thing I would say is for any Christian listening right now, uh, really think through, Hey, what, what did you incubate into yeah. as, as an infant believer, mm. someone that just came to know Jesus? 
uh, and then go, okay, that's what people are going to need as they come to Christ in your church. It's really good. What would you say for it? Yeah, for us, what would you have? Yeah, I think uh, for me, I uh, was in like a traditional um, setting for uh, six years of ministry on church staff before coming to Awaken. And uh, I sort of stepped into where they already had this mindset of making disciples and being disciple makers. Yeah. Uh, something that I had been a part of is making disciples in college and college ministry. But mm-hmm. then when I was in the traditional context of church, I really just began to think that, that disciple making, it was, wasn't going to happen in the local church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was good. doing programs. Uh, you know, my measurements were based on attendance factors. Uh, but there wasn't really uh, any kind of push of like my personal disciple making of others or sure. any kind of priority. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first day I, I started um, with Awaken, uh, immediately I started being asked, did I know my neighbors? Hmm, and it was good. the first time uh, as a pastor that the staff where I, that, was, yeah. <laughs> I was challenged to know who I was living next to. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and did I know their names and who their kids? And uh, it, that was very transformative from, from the start. Also, yeah. I immediately got into a small group as a staff member. Um, and every staff member is in a, in a small group. Yeah. We're in the traditional setting. You know, they may be having Sunday school and staff are running around on Sunday morning, but you're not necessarily engaged engaged in discipleship. Mm. Um, you're not necessarily required to go to a Sunday school class. Yeah. Um, so, uh, actually, I started hosting a small group in my home mm. uh, the, from the very beginning. And uh, now my, my wife and I, over the last three years, have had over 200 people who've come through our living room. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and in all different kind of contexts from church and all small group and uh, uh, discipleship relationships, salvations have come out of my living room, hmm. um, and uh, baptisms have come out of my living room. It's, it's been an amazing transformation of now looking at the way that Jesus modeled, uh, and then even now I know in that, that's a constant thing. And if you're you know listening today, if you're a pastor, or a leader, or even if you're you know a church member, uh, at the forefront, I know we start like our our all staff meeting. The first question is, who's somebody far from God who we can pray for right it's now good. that you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really, there's a, a factor of credibility beyond just leadership capacity and ministry, but more, do we have fresh stories of people that we know that are far from God that we're discipling? Right. Um, and uh, for the first time, that is a priority, and it, it it's sort of a, sort of crazy when you think about how Jesus did the modeling of disciple making, it was all in relationship. So that means that whether you're a church staff or a church member, like you're not exempt to making relationships and discipleship relationships, no matter where you are, uh, you know, in your journey, whether you're an empty nester now or whether you've got kids that are going to the ball field. Those are the intentional times. One thing I want to say about Pastor Brandon uh, is that he models this from his seat as lead pastor. Mm, it's good. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see, and he'll tell stories that brings credibility about families that he's meeting at the ball field where he's coaching his kids and football and other sports, where he's meeting families that then are translating to them coming to church, having conversations that uh, he's got fresh stories of building relationships uh, even right now, someone that, that he's meeting with right now, that we know that relationship came out of his neighborhood. It's good. To hear that from your lead pastor, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because it sets the standard of what being a disciple maker is. Yeah. And so you may be listening today, you don't have the luxury of being close knit to a lead pastor like that, but uh, you can start from whatever context that you're in and influence yeah. to begin to ask people around you or of yourself, who is it that I know that's far from God but close to me good. that I'm actually building a relationship with? I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that's great. And I would say too, I, you know, when I when I heard discipleship, especially uh, even prior to planting and even after planting the church, a lot of times discipleship was 
a program. So mm-hmm. it, it infers, right. hey, this is something else on the calendar. Right. Yeah. And whether it was a class or a group. Um, and so for someone going, how do I re-engage or how do I get in touch with what it means to make disciples? Yeah. It's, I, I prefer to use like more rhythm. Mm-hmm. So like in your life, you know, you heard Forrest mention coaching. Uh, and I'm going to send this link to Chris Geiger, Chris and Natalie Geiger, because <laughs> uh, I'm so proud of him. Chris yeah. has coached my, my boys in football and I've coached with him and they're in our church and Natalie's in my, my wife's women's group now at our house. And, I love it. Uh, you know, I, I, it's rhythm. It's mm-hmm. rhythm. These, I was going to be doing that anyway. Kids mm-hmm. playing ball in the sports league. Um, so think rhythms, people that you work with, you know, don't make people projects, but you know, who can you, who can you take the lunch and have some conversations with? That's and, good. Um, so as, as you, it's the, as you go mentality, mm-hmm. as you go make disciples, um, not a y'all come to something I'm doing, but mm-hmm. let's go to where That's the right. people are. And, and I know sometimes in, in, in ministry or even those that have been Christians for a long time, the thought can be, um, I've, I've got to call them into a Bible study or bring them to a group. And I think really just a mentality shift yeah. of, mm-hmm. Hey, if you didn't have those things, so as a church planter, if none of that existed, That's right. Right. what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And going, okay, I'm not actually, I don't really, I actually don't even need the church. Mm-hmm. To mobilize me to make disciples, I can make disciples on my own. Sure. Uh, and so realizing it's rhythm, it's relationship, and just being intentional in that relationship to bring people, to help them understand spirit. One, have a spiritual conversation, and two, bring them into relationship with Jesus. And I would also say, uh, you know, the baptism used to be the finish line. You know, and it probably is. I know a lot of our listeners are um, Southern Baptist in background, maybe. Uh, but you know, it was the if you get somebody baptized, we've arrived. And my whole mentality on that, Forrest would tell you this as a church, is and baptism is like the start. It's the initiation. Right? That's, <laughs> right. yeah. That's right. I mean, it's Acts 2, like 3,000 believe, baptized. Then the growth mm-hmm. began. And mm-hmm. so figuring out as a, not just a church, um, but just in relationships, how to celebrate spiritual growth yeah. in people. Yeah. Um, spiritual growth being like, um, hey, man, I'm actually praying over meals now. Or, um, hey, we, we see a couple serving for the first time in church or in a community event, um, mm-hmm. you know, someone praying out loud, which may be like so easy for most of us who've been in church for two decades. Um, but someone stepping forward and praying in a small group is like the, a major milestone mm-hmm. for somebody and learning to celebrate those types of stories, um, and realizing that's discipleship. Yeah. It's, it's not finishing a book, uh, or, or coming to a class. And so I think that that framework has, has shifted dramatically for me over the last seven years. That's so good. I think, I think this will encourage you to just affirming that. I mean, two, two things that we've been encouraging or, or kind of emphasizing. It's not what you teach. It's what you emphasize. I learned that from when I was basketball coach from the great theologian, Rick Majerus, who used to coach, who used to coach Utah basketball. But nonetheless, it affected my, my basketball program, but also the college ministry. I was a leader. How'd you become a Utah fan? I wasn't a Utah fan, (laughs) but he was teaching the clinic. (laughs) He was teaching the clinic. That's right. That's right. But when he said it though, a light bulb went off, not only as a basketball coach, but as a, an equipper and a pastor and a leader. And even at that time about to be a dad for the first time, um, you know, just thought, man, what am I emphasizing? Right. And so, there's several things we're trying to emphasize here among our family of churches. And, but one of them is to get people to quit inviting to and to start thinking about inviting along. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Right? So the idea, like you're saying, it's the rhythms. We're not adding to your, your schedule here. Right? right? Mm-hmm. You're, we're just asking you to be mindful in your schedule of so how did Jesus. So Jesus is letting you do this with him. And so what did he do with those 12 dudes? It's probably what he's leading you to do with the people you're engaged with. And right. obviously he invited them along 
you didn't invite them to something. And right. so I think, you know, that idea, the other thing though, and this one hasn't caught yet. So I'm going to use this podcast to keep encouraging it. Although I will say I'm watching some of our family of churches, let the people who've been involved in bringing someone to be a new disciple, get involved in the baptism, Yeah, which yeah. is huge. Uh, yeah. Like it ought to be that way. But I think, like you said, sometimes in our more conventional settings, we haven't let that happen. I'm watching that start to happen, which is beautiful, right? Well, let me speak to that um, yeah. because uh, at, at Awaken, um, and Pastor Brandon has led this out of saying that uh, those who've done the discipling, their hands are in the water. That's right. And it's so, uh, again, I came from a traditional setting where like it was only the pastors who baptized. Um, and so, but at Awaken, uh, it's very... It's not. It's not the pastors who are baptizing mostly, unless that's somebody that a pastor has personally yeah, baptized or have a involved, relationship sorry. with. Mm-hmm. And um, so another thing that, that Pastor Brandon has made is a, a, a intentional decision is that to share stories. We all heard what gets celebrated gets repeated. Sure. And so when you see somebody who is a parent who's baptizing a child or a small group leader who is uh, baptizing somebody in their group. Uh, all of a sudden they see this relationship of like, wow, that, that friend just baptized that other friend. Um, and we're seeing that and the story's getting told and that baptism, it's, it's being repeated because see, people are seeing what is celebrated. Now you may be in a church like I was for a long time where that's not an option. You know, the pastors are the ones who baptize, but what can you do to celebrate something that can be repeated in that? Mm-hmm. Can you, during the baptism, can you give a shout out to whoever it was who invited that person yeah, and find good. out beforehand? Have that, have that a family or a couple stand up, uh, you know, while they're being baptized so that you can, uh, people can see that example tangibly uh, in the baptisms in the church. I know that came straight, straight from your heart. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 when you look at New Testament, uh, you know, it says Jesus wasn't baptizing his disciples were. Why was that? You know, yeah. uh, Paul, when Paul writes to, I think it's in Galatians. I was, I was looking, you know, when there's this argument in the New Testament, like, hey, some follow Paul and some mm-hmm. follow Apollos. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because Paul speaks into that discussion and, and says, you know, I'm so thankful that I only baptized, I think it was like Gaius' household. And it's interesting that Paul would go like, why, why would he be thankful? Because the Great Commission says, <laughs> yeah. go make disciples and mm-hmm. baptize. Mm-hmm. But Paul's going, I'm thankful that, I, that I'm that i only responsible mm-hmm. for this one household. Why is that? Well, because they weren't dependent on Paul. It ignited something. You know, he wasn't right. dependent on Paul. Right. So it's just, it's just ironic. You find some, some staff or ministers that go, man, I'm feeling the weight of carrying the burden of all these people that I've baptized. But they don't, you don't really know them. It's like, sure. well, you put the robe on and got in the water, like... You've made them dependent to you, mm-hmm. you know, because you're the priest or the minister. Man, just like if we really believe the priesthood of the believer, mm-hmm. and we really believe sure. the Great Commission's for all people, then let all people get involved all the way through the Great Commission. Yep. Let them baptize. See, here, uh, here's my prayer. Here, I think you'll dig this. I'm, I am hoping and praying that there will come a day that everyone that we baptize, that the moment we pull them out of the water, the last thing we say before they walk up the steps is. We can't wait for the day when you're back in these waters baptizing oh, yeah. the person that you've helped become a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And like that, like to me, that's the culture shift, right? Like where everyone's thinking in terms of, I want to get back up there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I, I, I want to, and it isn't, it, isn't, it isn't the typical Baptist, we celebrate baptism. No, no, no. What we're celebrating is disciple making. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because we're initiating new disciple making. Absolutely. Listen, the greatest moments at, at, our, at our church, you know, the greatest Sunday moments, corporate moments, if you will, are, 
or seeing a, adult kids baptize their parents. Yeah. Uh, what comes to mind, Justin Riccio. Justin Riccio is our he's outreach director on our staff now. Um, was you know recovering addict. Uh, I mean the the story of what God's done in his life and his wife's Brittany life is amazing. amazing. Yeah. And um, but I'll never forget. It's I mean it, we've it's a poster on our wall of the day that Justin stood behind the baptistry and told the story of his dad wow. and, and how his dad cared for him and protected him as this like police chief and like all, all the, the journey of his dad's role in his life and how now his dad's come to know Jesus wow. and just baptizing his dad and then this just embrace. And wow. I go, why would I ever want to take that moment? Oh my goodness. From I agree. Justin Riccio. I agree. Like, and, and just to see like, man, that is, that's new Testament church, yep. you know? And so, over I mean stories and stories like that, seeing coworkers baptizing coworkers, spouses baptizing each other, like it's mind blowing, man. So I, I commend you for going for that yeah. in, in your network of churches and it, it does it does ignite. I think I think in good leadership, good ministry leadership, it's given away some of the things that we love to do. Yeah. And and, and sometimes in ministry as pastors, those are like the glory moments. Sure. And so we want those, right? But Man, if we can just distribute that kind of ministry to our people too, there'll yep. be an ownership in the Great Commission. I agree. The joy that will come. Back to the rhythms for just a second, because I think this is an intentional thing um, that Pastor Brandon has, has kept a hold culture-wise in our church, is um, you can church people out of community. Mm. That's good. So um, as far as That's rhythms true. of where you're going to be, mm. uh, you know, you can do a Christian version of everything, right. the, soft, right. the church softball league, uh, you know, multiple meetings throughout the week that are at the church that pull people out of the spheres. Like Pastor Brandon has the has the margin to be a little league right. football coach right. um, and has done that in the past. Uh, and others that he's modeling that so that people in our church will then be in the community. Like we don't need a church softball team. Like go be in your local, you know, uh, you know, uh, intramural sport league and meet people there in those rhythms. Um, and so we can sort of shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, and I know that goes into a big thing about simple church and all that, but it's a mentality, even for you, if you're not on a church staff, what's your rhythm of your life? Right. And is church dominating the rhythm, rhythm to the point where you don't have a third space like the gym or uh, somewhere where you're meeting people that are not, they're not Christians or that are far from God right. um, and building that in. No, you're so right, man. And, and it's that Matthew 10 mentality, right? Of who's welcoming you into their life. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're knocking on doors or entering the village, someone's welcoming you go to them. Right. Yeah. Right. Jesus telling right. them that. And I think it's, it's, it's what you just said. It's whatever that encounter or that pathway in that pathway is that you walk regularly. Keep loving people as you encounter them. Somebody's going to welcome you That's good. Yeah. and then invite them into those rhythms. And that may be your workplace, but you, you, you may not be uh, having spiritual conversations in your workplace or there may be limitations there. So what is that other place that you are going to be meeting really people good. in the gym, sports things? It's good. Well, man, thank you guys. Thank you for your thank time. You. And thanks for being here for this forum. And, and um, man, I'm excited to hear you this, uh, here in just a little bit. And uh, for our listeners, uh, in, in our show notes, in our episode notes, there'll be links to all of our different guests. And so we'll certainly have a link to, if you want to check out more about Awakened Church and and uh, and both of you, if there's any resources you want us to share, you please let me know and we'll put them in those notes. Thanks, Jason. All right. Thanks, Thank man. Thank you. So I hope you were encouraged by hearing from the voice of a number of disciple makers gathered, of over 1,600 some odd people gathered, 
at the Brentwood campus uh, to talk about disciple making, to encourage and coach for disciple making throughout our nation. I uh, hope you see the common theme as Jason asked them about how do we reignite disciple making amongst our people and in our churches. Well, it's about reminding ourselves of the gospel and the love of Christ and being willing to share that with our neighbors relationally in the same way that Christ did. I want to remind you to go to discipleship.org, check out all of their resources, uh, free ebooks like Becoming a Disciple Maker, The Discipleship Gospel uh, by Bill Hole and Ben Sobels, which we had been on the podcast uh, a number of episodes ago where he talked about the discipleship gospel as he walks people through Mark and discipled in the way Jesus did. They got a lot of free audio, podcasts, um, number of blogs, just any, any resource you can think of. Uh, they'll have it there to help you and encourage you uh, on your journey to making disciples. So please check out that website. Check out all their resources. I strongly encourage you to sign up uh, for their subscriptions and get their emails and their encouraging blogs and articles and webinars and courses and, and everything else that they, that they offer there. So look into the show notes. You'll see discipleship.org. And then I'll put a link to uh, some of these other pages so you can see the books from some of these other authors as well. Be in fervent prayer about who the Lord is calling you to disciple from amongst the lost and searching around us. Uh, we want to be disciples of Jesus. We're making disciples with Jesus. We want to be people who make disciples in the every day. And I hope that hearing from some of these great thinkers, speakers, authors, and just disciple makers has encouraged you with some new avenues, uh, some new challenges, and some new uh, just encouragement and methods for doing this in your daily life. Thank you.